We got a very special episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show in the studio. My guest is joining me in the studio. He was a producer for the late Rush Limbaugh for more than two decades. He's been in radio his entire life. He's going to talk about lessons he learned from late Rush Limbaugh and how they use radio to help support military and law enforcement charities. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. What do you get when you combine social audio with social media all in one free app? It's called Breakout. Get it at letbreak.com. There's a free version for your iPhone and Android devices. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Use a profile at LET Radio Show. Get it for free at letbreak.com or at the App Store and Google Play. Joining us in the studio, I'm very, very excited about having an in-studio guest. By the way, the radio station is in Palm Beach County, West Palm Beach, Florida. Joining me is Brian Johnson, and I'll tell you a little backstory about Brian in a moment. Brian's been in radio his entire life. He jokingly says that he was... I don't want to say conceived in a radio station, but... I say born. Born in a radio station. A little more polite. It's good to have you here. And I, full disclaimer, my daytime job is full-time radio, and he is my radio boss. We're here to talk about his experience working with the late Rush Limbaugh and what he's learned in radio, how they use radio and broadcasting to raise money for law enforcement, military charities, and the news media accuracy reporting all that sort of stuff brian thanks for being a guest on the show very much appreciated well thank you jay thanks for having me long story short how long have you been in radio uh well that's kind of a loaded question i mean technically yes my father was the engineer my mom was the receptionist at a radio station so that's that's, that's where it started yes uh your pretty dad, much my whole life your dad jim johnson by the way great gentleman and, and brian johnson a great gentleman as well uh, he's been involved in radio since the early am days right when there's no fm my father was running around with a radio strapped on his bicycle when he was a kid. So, uh, yeah, he's he's been around for quite a long time. I'll give you a little hint about his passion for radio. His license plate is RF Fun. RF stands for radio frequency. Yes, yes. I think is. radio is really fun, but uh, it's not that fun where I want to have a, a vanity place. Yeah, and his other car is his ham call, so his ham license is on that one. So. This guy works full time on radios, owns multiple radio stations in South Florida, and for fun, he goes to ham radio conventions. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been going to those since I was a kid as well. He dragged me along. <laughs> We're gonna talk a, a little bit about Brian's experience and. Uh, one of the reasons we're doing a little different on the Law Enforcement Today show, we really focus on is storytelling, focusing on crime, investigating crime, and or trauma. Brian's story is not about that. We want to talk about what's happening in radio, his experience, what he's learned along the way, and what he learned from working with the late Rush Limbaugh. And by the way, 
like him or not, it doesn't matter. One of the things I teach radio broadcasters is listen to the best, and he's one of the best. Yep, yep, I was spoiled. Uh, I worked with him. I guess he moved here back in 1969, or not, 1996, sorry. Okay. And, Big difference um, yeah. between 69 and 96. Uh, yeah, I think I was brought on the planet in 1969. So, um, no, 1996, he moved to Palm Beach, and they needed somebody. Um, they called my father, since my father's well, really well known in the engineering circles down here in Florida, and they knew I worked with them, and they thought, well, is this guy Brian? Do you think he'd be available to engineer uh, Rush's studios? And so they called me, and I said, sure, I'll come over. And they interviewed me and said, you can have the job if you want it. And uh, so then I met Rush, and I said, okay, I, I guess I'll do it. I was a kid, you know, back in 1996. And um, so I saw him. I met him. Nice to meet you, that kind of thing. It was just an on-call, hourly kind of a job. So right. if they had a technical issue, they would call me. Um, so I didn't hear from them again for another year and a half. I, th- I thought they didn't like me or something like that. But then a year and a half later, um, they called and said, hey, could you go change out this piece of equipment? So I did. Went over there, spent like an hour or two, and that was it. Didn't hear from them again for another year and a half. So it really wasn't until uh, 2001 when Rush started calling me and emailing me, uh, he was having problems with his hearing. And he wanted to try different headsets, ones like Imus, you know. Right, had right. In a, yeah. Um, so we, we started, I started going there on more of a regular basis, you know, trying different headphones, trying different things to help him with his hearing. And uh, at the time, you know, he could still hear, I could still talk to him like I'm talking to you, uh, just like normal. Uh, it was, you know, so he had different hearing aids he was trying and that sort of thing. And it got to the point where his hearing really, really started getting bad. Um, to the point to where his voice was kind of changing. And everybody out there in the world thought, you know, something's up. What's mm-hmm. wrong with Russia's equipment or something like that? So then the home base was calling me and saying, hey, we want to send you some new Zephyrs and diff- different new equipment to replace the stuff that's there because people are complaining about Rush's voice. So, so I said, sure. Well, I knew what was going on, but Rush asked me not they to didn't. say anything. They did not. Not at that point. Uh, Rush really didn't. I mean, he was trying to get a grasp Which, on it. By the way, this is really important. We'll talk about it in a moment. So I'm just doing like a little air earmark for me to mm-hmm. preserve this conversation. But a lot of people don't realize, towards the end, he really had dramatic hearing loss. Oh, yeah. Well, he was totally deaf. I mean, eventually, he had the cochlear implant installed. And once they do that, you hear no more. You have to hear through the electronic device hooked into your brain. And um, so what happened basically was... I put all the new equipment in. I kept going in there, kept trying new things. Then I realized when I was there one day, because he did the show all by himself in the studio here in Palm Beach. You know, everybody's, and I want to clear this up right now. Everybody always said, oh, Rush is doing it from his house in Palm Beach. Well, he wasn't doing it from his house. No, but it's a very nice area <laughs> of, of Palm Beach, yes. which is far different from where we are. Well, yeah, but they built him a real studio. And yes, he sat in that real studio in the uh, financial district of Palm Beach and did his show um, all by himself on this end. He had Mike Mamone up in New York 
Uh, Mike Mamone was the engineer up there, but they had Zephyrs. They hooked up the ISDN lines and to the equipment where Rush was sitting. And Rush had a backup set, so if he had a problem with the main, he'd flip on the backup. And that was how he did his whole show, uh, all by himself for all those years, uh, from 96 until 2001, uh, September 11th. And one of the things that we'll get into when we return uh, is... A lot of people don't realize it's one thing to have a physical disability. I tell people all the time, I'm physically disabled. Most people wouldn't know by looking at me. It doesn't interfere with what I do at radio. There are people I know who are blind broadcasters. There are people I know that that have extreme physical disabilities, walking, things of that nature, can't drive, but they can work aboard. They can be a personality on air. Not being able to hear really makes it difficult to do a talk radio show. We return to our conversation with Brian Johnson. We're going to talk about what he learned about broadcasting, working with the late Rush Limbaugh. In particular, how they used that platform, radio, to raise money for law enforcement and military charities. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Imagine if you were one of the first on social media or on social audio apps. Here's your chance to be one of the first on the free breakout app that combines the best of social audio and social media. Get it at letbreak.com. There's a free version for your iPhone and Android devices. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley of the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show and Podcast. Use the profile at LET Radio Show. Get it for free at letbreak.com or at the App Store and Google Play. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Brian Johnson on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Little departure from what we do normally. Brian is a full-time radio guy. He was born into radio. He was the producer for the late Rush Limbaugh for more than 20 years in the facilities in Palm Beach, Florida, in Palm Beach County, which is a huge difference from where we are in West Palm Beach. It's like night and day difference. (laughs) If you ever want to feel really poor, here's what I do. Two stories really quickly. In Palm Beach, you've got an area called, uh, what's a really rich area called with it? The drive, the shopping. I want, <laughs> Worth I, Avenue. Worth Avenue. I always confuse it with Rodeo Drive yeah. in, in, in Very Hollywood Very similar, area. yep. You'll feel really bored driving down there. Years ago, my wife and I were on the motorcycle, and we pulled up to the Breakers, which is an elite exclusive hotel. And I said, hey, can I just drive in, ride in on the motorcycle and take a look around? The security guard said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> You're not allowed here. I think it was $8 she said for a buffet for uh, brunch for coffee. There is some ridiculous price. So where we are on West Palm Beach, it's a lot more affordable. Yes, definitely is. Yeah, no, I... I got to spend a lot of time over there, obviously, over the last 20 years, and usually that was the go-to place for Rush. If he was going to have some kind of an event, he would always have it at the Breakers, so we spent quite a bit of time over there. It's a nice place. It's really nice. I wish I could afford to go there. Yeah, a little bit out of my price range. And even if I could afford to go there, I don't know if I would, because that's (laughs) a lot of money. It's a lot of change. Yeah, and it's not really my style. It's, uh, I don't know, I'm more laid back, you know, more... Keezy style. Here's the thing. When Rush did his show, you were producer, and there was a full staff there for many years that did things, and everybody had different roles. 
people love to stereotype and shoehorn people in certain categories, and you are not what I would imagine someone who works for Rush Limbaugh was like. No, I was different. Um, I technically was the engineer for the show. Um, my background was in that. But, you know, I come from small market radio. Right. Where you do everything. You take out the trash. You write the checks. You do me. everything. You do everything. You do everything. So, when I went to work for Rush, and I did all the technical stuff, but then he realized real fast that he could count on me for anything. So I, be, I really became his go-to guy there in the studio. So whatever he needed done, or what, he would always say, hey, Brian, could you take it? And I would just go get it done, because he came from New York, where it was all unionized. Right. So you had one person who worked the microphone, and one person who worked the slider on the console, that kind of stuff. Yeah. you know. So down here in Florida, we're not that way. So... Um, I was his go-to guy for the last 20 years. I probably spent more time with him than he spent with anybody else on the planet in those 20 years. And so you would know in a way a lot of people didn't. I want to go back to something we we were talking about before the, the end of the last break, about the physical disabilities and him being deaf. I happen to know from knowing you that there was a lot of accommodations made about how he did his show. But he took something which would be almost impossibility to do and found a way to get it done and get it done every day and put out a top quality product every day, which is not easy if you have all your faculties. Yeah, it, you know, we basically, when he came, he had to fly out to California. It, it came to a point where he came in one day when I was helping him and he just, oh, you know, before that, we had September 11th happen. Yeah. He could still hear at that point when September 11th happened. But the parent company for his show called me and said, hey, we don't know what's happening in the world. Can you uh, just be there for Rush just in case something happens? So I started going to the show. So actually, September 12th is when I started on a daily basis working for Rush uh, until the day he died. So... um, so since I started going there every day, it probably wasn't but about three weeks into this where he came in to me one morning and said, listen, I can't hear it all out of one of my ears. So that's when Rush knew, all right, I've got to, he's got to fly out to California. He's got to talk to them and let them know what's going on. And so he did. He went out there. They practiced with a stenographer to see if they could transcribe real time the phone call audio and stuff like that and put it up on a screen in front of them. And they had, um, they had success with it. And so they called me and they said, hey, listen, can you go get some computers and some screens and set all this up? And here's a court reporter. Um, can you call her and see if you can set all this up? And we want to do a test run there in Palm Beach on the weekend on Russia's uh, Ditto Cam. Um, so I said, sure. You know, I at this point, I had kind of s- stopped working for my father and took this on because it was an urgent need to help Rush, you know? So we kind of, I paused everything I was doing with my father and uh, jumped right on that. And it was just kind of a whirlwind. It just kind of took over. Um, Same thing with Dawn, who was the court reporter. That's where she and I met. And she kind of dropped everything to, she used to do all these other court reporting jobs. And now all of a sudden she's coming in every day and doing this so that Rush is able to see and hear through seeing on the computers 
uh, every day because that, that that amazes me. Yeah, well, we just you really didn't have time. You just had to jump in and find a way to make it work. Make it work exactly. And here's the thing about radio. Remember the movie? I'm sure you know this. The Wizard of Oz. Hmm? Don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. There's a lot of things that happen that people don't see. Yeah, and we don't have a video camera in our studios. We're talking about making that happen so you can see some of it. Um, and I've been fighting that for a lot of reasons. But when you have I'm going to say it again. When you lose your ability to hear and you still can put on a talk show where people can call in and make it sound flawless, that's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Well, so what happened is he came back. We set it all up. We were able to do it. And at the time, we were using AOL instant messaging. Back in the day. Back in the day. But thank God we had it because I had screens in there. We could type to him. He could type back to us. And that was really how we communicated. Um, the other thing we did is we put LED lights, and green and red, for talk and go. We held up. We just printed out signs and held up big signs. Like the old NASCAR the days. Yes. Hang the sign out Yeah, there. exactly. Hit in two laps. Yes. If we had live reads, we had the uh, sponsor's name up on a big card, and we held that up in the air so he would see it. And um, so that's really what we did for those final months of 2001 to try to um, get him to be able to do his show. But his hearing continued to decline to the point where we were about to go on Christmas vacation and he came into us and he said, listen, Brian and Don, um, and I believe Bo Snerdly, James yep. Golden, uh, was there with us now at this point. And um, he said, I, I'm going to have to go have this surgery, this cochlear implant surgery, um, and I'm going to do it over the Christmas vacation. So we didn't know. I didn't think that that was going to turn into a career for me. I thought I would be going back to work with my father and the family business. Um, but um, Which, by the way, is Glades Media. The website's gladesmedia.com. They own eight radio stations throughout South Florida, which we'll talk about in a moment. We're talking with Brian Johnson, a little bit of a departure we do in the Law Enforcement Today show. We're going to return, we're going to talk about what he's learned about radio, caring for your consumers of your show, how they use radio to raise money for law enforcement and military charities, and what he sees the future of radio, podcasting, all that stuff, and how it applies to everyday folks. Because if you're like me, you grew up listening to radio, and people love to discount it until there's something like a power outage, and that's all you got. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo. The free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show, returning our conversation with Brian Johnson. He is a guest in the studio in West Palm Beach, Florida. And 
by the way, he is one of the movers and shakers for Glades Media. Owns eight radio stations out of South Florida. Go to their website, gladesmedia.com. And for more than two decades, he was the producer for the Rush Limbaugh show and was in the studio with him every day. Brian, first of all, thanks for, for agreeing to do this. It's very much appreciated. This is the kind of guy... The persona, the on-air persona. You loved Rush Limbaugh or you hated him. There wasn't a whole lot of middle ground. And he was very, very good at what he does. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. He was one of the best. And he had a long, long, glorious uh, record in, in radio. But when he started, he, I believe he got fired from his first five radio jobs, correct? Something like that? Uh, yeah. He, um, he was kind of, he wasn't sure what he wanted to do. He always enjoyed radio. Um I think that was his. It was his true passion in life was radio, but he always tend to push it, <laughs> push the limits. And back in the old days, they had a, a few limits. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, he tried baseball. He did some PR work in baseball, and that's where he met George Brett, who was a good friend of his. Oh, from the Kansas City Royals. Yes, yep. So um, they were still friends until the end. Um, but yeah, so he wasn't really sure. It wasn't until he went out to California and hooked on out there there and um it kind of took off and then they heard him out there and brought him to new york and then it really took off if there was one person that transformed the sound of talk radio it, i'd say he was one if if not the only one he was one of the biggest yeah i mean everybody kind of credits him with saving am radio because at the time the, the band was kind of dead. The yeah. People didn't know what to do with it. And You really can't play music on AM. I grew up on AM radio. That's right. all we heard. Yep. I, all the so-called top 40 stations yes. that we call CHR now, yep. they were all AM radio. And FM, back in the day when FM first started, you couldn't get advertisers. They play a whole album side. And that's what the birth of what we now call classic rock. Yes. That's where a lot of those stations came from. Yeah. 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 So um, everybody likes to credit him with, and, and I agree, um, there, there just wasn't much going on on the AM band, and then he came along, and then after he came along with the success he started with, then they just started popping up everywhere. So uh, I think you pretty much can credit that to Rush. One of the things I've noticed that's lacking, in my opinion, is a lack of relatability when it comes to radio, especially in the talk area. Doesn't that be news talk, doesn't that be conservative talk or progressive talk, but there's a lack of relatability, a lack of conversationalism. Uh, That seems to be what's missing, and he was really good at that. One of the things that you and I have talked about quite often is there are so many broadcasters that have risen after his death that violate things that he stood for. Yelling, for example. Getting angry and yelling at your listeners. I know you've told me that was a big deal for him. Yeah, honestly, um, I was spoiled for 20 years. I went to work every day and listened to every single word he said. And when I came out of the studio and went home, I didn't listen to the radio anymore. And if I did, it was Spanish, believe it or not. So um, I was spoiled to listening to the best. And when Rush passed and I had to start trying to move on with my life, I would be in the car driving around to the radio stations trying to listen to the current radio shows that are out there. And I was amazed at how bad they all are. I really was. I mean, there was a reason Rush was the best, and I had been spoiled by it. Um, Many times we would be in the studio, and he would do just that. He would talk to us on the talkback, 
and say, hey, am I screaming? Let me know if I'm screaming. I don't want to appear to be screaming. That was always right on top of his list. The other thing is, hey, am, am I talking too fast? You know? I always have to watch that one. Yes. So he always was cueing us. Am I talking too fast? Am I screaming? You know, Those were just some of the things. And when I listen to the radio these days, they're all talking fast and they're all screaming and some of them are just boring as <laughs> all can be. So, you know, it's it really was kind of depressing for me the first um you know when rush passed it it was just really depressing radio was and i'd go and i'd listen and i'd try to get into it i just could not they were just not entertaining and to this day i still i i can't the talk radio is just terrible you know one of the things you you said that i think is really important is it's not entertaining you never mention politics you never mention conservative right wing left wing Progressive, whatever it might be, Republican, Democrat, which I can't stand, to be honest with you. I'm more concerned with the stories. What's the difference between entertaining, in your opinion, political content and non entertaining political content? If you can even answer that. Well, it's one of the ones I know when I hear it. Political, inter- er, political stuff is so hate filled. I mean, but it really wasn't that way for Rush. I got to tell you. Um, Rush didn't care what you were, you know. Um, he had just as many friends on the left as he did on the right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, he respected you as a person. He, you know, this. he always liked to say, you know, his show, he did that for, it's a business. And he, his job was to make as much money as possible. And I don't think anybody... You know, there's not many people up in his league at making as much money as he did. That he was, cat pulled in some major, major yes, dollars every year. Yeah. You know, when I look back and you kind of add up the numbers and you think, gosh, he might have made a billion dollars doing this. And I mean, that was really, I mean, really, he loved radio, just like my father. They both were doing what they were born to do. Um, but he was a businessman, too. There's no doubt about it. So many people blew up their careers now you and i are spoiled in a lot of ways i grew up listening to radio and i listened to people like howard stern i listened to people like rush limbaugh i listened to people like uh, the grease man who's no longer in the air and some people in baltimore area they were really good when i was a kid we didn't have tvs in our bedroom we didn't have a phone we had one phone on the wall with a long cord and you didn't call it dinner time and you always had your mom listening if you're on the phone somewhere but we had am radio and at night, we used to tune into faraway places in North Virginia. We'd listen to places in Cleveland and Philadelphia and New York. And they were playing the same music. What was different was the jocks. So what I'm getting at is I don't feel that anymore. I don't feel everything's got a cookie-cutter sound. Not everything. A lot of them have a cookie-cutter sound. And that goes for the on-air personalities as well in the music world and, and talk also. Well, I got to tell you, um, one thing that Rush would always tell us, is that whoever has the best content is going to win. Content is king. It doesn't matter how you deliver it. If you have the best content, they will come. So whether you're podcasting or whether you're on a AM radio station or FM radio station or Sirius or television, it really, if you are amazing at what you do and do a great show and you're entertaining and people want to listen to you, they're going to find a way to listen to you. And that was always Rush's belief. Um, That was one of the reasons I think that he stayed off serious. He 
he felt like you know he did a great show and he didn't need serious um they needed him he didn't need them and he felt that's a pretty bold statement yeah and he felt obligated to the am radio stations that supported him all those years he was returning the favor at the end you know he just felt like you just got to do the best show you can and if you do that people are going to respond and i think he's right i mean i there are many more challenges for radio today with all this internet stuff there's so much competition we're talking about brian johnson uh he was the longtime producer for the rush limbaugh show he's also happens to be my boss and co-worker at glades media owner of eight radio stations in south florida you can check out their website gladesmedia.com we're talking about a slight departure we do on our show we're talking about how they used radio to influence and change people's lives and and they're really careful consumers of the product and also in particular how they used radio to raise money for law enforcement and first responder charities and military charities as well. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We'll return in just a few moments. Has this ever happened to you? You sign up for a free email newsletter and within hours, you're receiving tons of spam. That won't happen when you subscribe for the free Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign up area. That's letradioshow.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Returning our conversation with Brian Johnson. He is a, a rare guest. He's in the studio because he's my radio boss in, in West <laughs> Palm Beach. I have my wife, the real boss, and then I have Brian Johnson. But Brian was also a longtime producer for the Rush Limbaugh show uh, that was based out of uh, Palm Beach, Florida. And one of the things we talked about earlier, and I, I keep returning this because it's profoundly important. I think so many people have alibis they have excuses and physical disabilities can be one of them i'm not saying this as a negative i'm saying it is it's an explanation i'm physically disabled people wouldn't know to look at it there's certain things i can't do when i retired from police work i got hurt retired i had multiple surgeries two steel plates but my right hand right wrist and most people don't know it's locked up it's it's jammed in place it doesn't move but it doesn't prevent me from having a life i want to have one of the things that is profoundly important is Rush Limbaugh became a totally deaf. He had the cochlear implant put in. Yeah, uh, so basically he came he came back from the Christmas vacation, uh, had the successful surgery, and came in the studio the first day and told us, well, it's successful, but we can't turn it on for another 30 days. So at this point, he's completely deaf. And so we have to go another 30 days trying to do a radio show and it's very hard that's stressful <laughs> yeah when the host can't hear so i had led lights flashing everywhere that sort of, but there'd be times when he'd be distracted and he wouldn't be paying attention to that and you'd have dead spaces and so it, it was tough and then his voice started going so we would give him donuts and things like that to kind of clear his throat and he'd get his voice back. But it was getting worse. And we're just like, holy cow, if he doesn't, if this doesn't work, 
he's not going to be on the, on the radio anymore. And I think we all, I know Don, myself, and James all were like, wow, this this could be the end. It and, could be the end of the road for us yeah, as a team. Yes. By the way, how many people were supported by the Rush Limbaugh show? Well, not just you and your organization, all the AM stations that right. ran it. Yes. Their families. It was a huge obligation, and I'm sure he felt all the burden of that. Well, he always did, yes. But I think he kind of relished it in a way. But, uh, yeah, so he, so we're all wondering, and then the day he comes in and he turns it on, he could hear. Uh, now, he doesn't hear, he didn't hear like you and I hear, but he heard like, uh, he heard basically like FM and AM radio. Right. So he heard AM, we hear FM. And, um, but it didn't matter. Once, once he could hear that well, his timing came back. He could hear what was going on now. You know, he might not have made out every word, but he could he, he could then have a conversation. He could hear the caller somewhat, but we still had Don transcribing, so if he missed a word, it would be right there on the gotcha. screen for him. And to the end, that's how he heard, and we continued to do the stenography and, and all that stuff, and uh, they basically hired us all on full-time at that point. And... Uh, that was the beginning of the 20 years that I spent there on a, on a daily basis. Did you think it would last 20 years? When no, you I had no clue. And it's not like it was a smooth sailing road. You know, Every few years, we happen to be in the media some way or another. You know? He had his issues. And one of the things that, that I take from our conversations is someone asked me the other day, "Would you do you want to be rich or do you want to be famous? I said, I'll take rich every day. Yeah. Well, and he was both, but yes. that fame came with a price. The, the fame and the money came with a price. Honestly, uh, if I was famous and rich, I don't want anybody to know who I am. So <laughs> so you'll never hear from him again on the radio ever. It's the only interview you have <laughs> this is Brian. It. This is all I'm doing is with Jay today. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, um, there was a lot of struggles. Um, just people always wanting him and asking for stuff and asking for donations and all that kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, I, I got the mail. I mean, I even got the mail, you know, uh, there wasn't, there was just me, Don and James and Rush. And then we had the chef uh, at the studio. And so if the door bell rang, I had to go get the door. And uh, James, he did show prep. And Dawn just did stenography, so I did everything else, and I was and that was fine. I mean, what am I going to do? Just sit there like a bump on the log? Right. So yeah, so I jumped at any chance to do anything and to be available to do whatever I could and do the best job I could do. And um, Rush appreciated that, and he took care of all of us. Um, I have no complaints. It was like going to work every day and doing the Super Bowl. You know, I, I try to relate it to that to people. Can you imagine no going to the Super Bowl every day? No pressure. No, I mean, honestly, there was a lot of pressure. And probably the first two years I was there, I had these giant sweat stains all yeah, the time. Man. And I didn't know why. But eventually I got used to it. And uh, then when people would come in, they would be all nervous. And I would kind of giggle because they were all nervous all the time. Yeah. And I was used to it by that point. You know, Rush then just kind of became a coworker for me at that point. But he um, used this platform also to raise money for charities, particular military and law enforcement. Yeah, the uh, Marine Corps. Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation was a big one for him. Um, they have, I just checked out their website. 
and they have a special page right there dedicated to him forever. It says you can donate in his honor. Um, he always donated to them, always did stuff for them. Wonder um, why? Well, he'd have to answer that for you. Yeah. Um, the other big one was the leukemia lymphoma. Uh, he, we, ra- we, every, we would take one day a year and raise money for them. And I mean millions and millions of dollars that we would raise for them over the, the years. The American people are so generous. And, and yes. They really are. You, you just got to have a way to get the message to them and- those that can't afford will yes. do it. Yes, and Rush was one that would put his money where his. I mean, he had the money to do it, yeah. and he would put he would donate just as much as they would donate. You know, so um, he was very committed. I mean, he had money to burn, which is a nice is nice, but um, he actually gave a lot of it, and that was really nice. Something and, we could all learn from people like that, and again, like him, love him, hate him. Or in between, it, there's not a whole lot of people in between. There's a lot of lessons to be learned. And one of that is you working in radio and having your thumb on the pulse. The radio industry has gone through a lot of changes. Now, one of the things that happens to me all the time is they're like, oh, you got a syndicated radio show that starts a podcast. Yes, it starts a podcast in 2017. Yes, I made it purpose, purposely driven by radio for the podcast. Uh, and now we're on 94 stations broadcasting weekly to, to almost 30 million people yeah. and, and growing. And yeah. I think part of that is because of the instructors I had along the way, the program directors, the old school radio people that really took care about what they did. And I think that's delivering different content, but trying to be professional about it as, as much as I can in my limited scope. Your years of radio, and it's been, I'm not going to say how long. What do you see happening for radio and particular podcasting and or both? What's your prediction? Who's going to rise to the top? Who's going to flounder? What challenges are there? Well, in our industry, you have like the iHearts of the world. And iHeart is more driven towards the internet these days. Um, Our company, Glades Media, we're going the other direction because we can't compete with iHeart in that field. They have too much money, too much radio, too many radio stations. They're just way too big. They're too big. We're going the other direction. We're going local. We want to serve our communities, get invested in the communities, and give them content that they'll want to listen to in their communities. We're not trying to reach out to a national basis. Uh, we're trying to be local in the market. I mean, we have things like the hurricane that we just had. Right. I mean trying to serve those communities. Our radio stations all came together. We got together food trucks and water trucks, and we hauled them all over to Fort Myers, and we helped those people out. And that's kind of what we're trying to do as a company, is get more invested and local in our entertainment for the local environment, uh, You know where each station is located. Because... We can't compete. I mean, with the big boys, you know, they can hire the best guys and all that. So, but where they can't, where they are pulling out of is the localness. Right. And so we're changing our whole direction. And that void creates opportunity. Yes. And I also believe those who can understand the opportunities can flourish. And that means podcasting as well. Uh, that's another stream of audio consumption. Some people say video. Some people have video shows. That's fine as well. Uh, again, I fight video because I have a face or radio and a figure to match. <laughs> uh, Brian, I want to thank you so much for being guest on Law Enforcement Today's show, for sharing your experience, and uh, for helping radio continue to grow. I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me on. 
I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.